Hey, fam. Welcome to Free Trails coverage of the 2024 Black Canyon 100K, one of the most exciting and most competitive trail races ever to take place on North American soil. The 11th running of this rugged and challenging point-to-point course outside Phoenix, Arizona. Free Trail will be here doing some pre and post race coverage in partnership with our friends at Hoka, the presenting sponsor of the Black Canyon 100K and the entire golden ticket race series where runners will compete for their chance to take part in the legendary Western States 100 later this summer. You'll hear more from Hoka in the show, but make sure you visit Hoka.com to check out their entire line of trail products. Obviously, you must also tune into the Mountain Outpost YouTube channel to watch the race on Saturday. I'll be out on the course, but you better believe I will be streaming all day and engaging in the chat whenever possible. Thank you all for tuning into our coverage this weekend. Make sure you follow Free Trail on Instagram also for updates throughout the weekend. Enjoy the kickoff to the 2024 racing season. Let's go. Okay, we are back. The post-race trail gating here. Sunday. I don't even know what day it is, but it's the day after the Black Canyon 100K. The 60K is going on right now. My name is Dylan Bowman. Behind the cameras, we got our boy, Ryan Thrower. Ryan, good morning. Good to see you, buddy. And our special guests on today's show, the Boulder Boys. The Boulder Boys pulling through the trail gate. <laughs> the far end of I'm the couch. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Seth. Thank you. Adam Mary, Matt Daniels, Seth Ruling, three fantastic professional athletes, and now semi-professional podcast host. Let's do a quick plug for the new podcast. We're getting into the game. Uh, yeah, all, all Seth's doing, uh, twisting our arms to get it started. But yeah, we're about to drop episode three this week. So three in the hopper. It's been good. Um, we've got a little uh, audio setup similar to what Ryan's got going on here. It's It's been really fun. talking. We're trying to bring like a perspective of professional athletes like in the sport and kind of talking about things that aren't usually talked about on podcasts. So for example, if anyone wants to hear about what I went through out there from the perspective of a pro, I'm going to wax on it on our next pod. So it's going to drop later this week. So we can't talk about it on our show. We today? can talk about it here too, but in a little longer form, you know, we talked about contracts yeah, we'll in episode one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been really fun. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, uh, go subscribe across all major podcasting platforms. That's right. Leave us a review. Five stars only. Five Otherwise, star reviews no thank only. You. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. It's really cool that you guys are putting that together. I'm sure you guys will find a really fun voice and good niche niche. And, uh, I think there'll be a lot of, yeah, illuminating conversations for people to have a front row seat to what it's like to be competing at a high level, especially in a core group of friends that, you know, are all sort of going through similar things at the same time. Here, we're going to discuss everything that happened out there on the Black Canyon course yesterday. What a freaking day. Let's start at the beginning. And yeah, I guess, Adam, it's best to start with you. How did you learn that the race was delayed? Actually, Matt sent me a text in the morning. Dude, okay, so I got to <laughs> shout out my boy, team visor, Eric LaPuma, yeah. texted me and was like, Eric has a very funny sense of humor. So he texted me and was like, hey man, the race doesn't start till 9 p.m. tonight. And I, or like 9 p.m. And I was like, he's he's messing with me. You know what I mean? And he was like, no, seriously, like Corinne just told me, I think he typoed, it's supposed to be 9 a.m. But yeah, I found out like right before we were about to leave, we we're still in the hotel. And so I actually went back to sleep. But um, yeah, like some of the people didn't find out until they were there. 
Tim Tolison sitting yeah. in the bathroom, you know, tough. Yeah. The Tim's it was Instagram very weird. Story. Very weird. Cause like usually when you're going to race, you have like a little like routine in the morning of what you eat, like the amount of coffee you drink. And I had done all that. We were right about to leave and you're getting kind of like in the zone and it's like, oh, this has never happened to me. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. Usually trail races, they just go off. Doesn't it happened matter. at uh, UTMB the year that I did it, but it was like, you know, it moved from whatever, 4.30 in the afternoon to 5.30. So it wasn't okay. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. And then when we got there, another half hour delay Yeah, when we had all lined up. So it was very um, interesting. I'm sure that definitely like affected some people's races, you know? Do you guys have insight as to why the race was delayed or do you want me to give a quick recap? Yeah. I mean, a little bit, I guess initially it was delayed because, um, the, the ice and snow on the course. Yeah. And, uh, I think they probably wanted, I, it's probably dangerous to start a race in the dark when the whole track is covered in ice. Well, <laughs> no, it was actually the buses. Oh, the reason okay. why the race was delayed is because the roads were icy and oh. the school bus drivers, operate on, you know, I'm sure some sort of union contract or whatever. And they're like, no, we don't drive on roads when they're icy. So they Respect. delayed two hours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess we should say, yeah, there was snow and ice on the ground. It was a beautiful, incredible so morning beautiful. up there. And I guess for our viewing audience, if you picture Phoenix, obviously you picture like low desert, right? The race starts up there in Mayer, Arizona, at Mayer High School at an altitude of about 4,000 feet probably very rarely sees snow and ice on the ground, maybe once a year at most, I would think. I doubt there's ever been or ever will be a Black Canyon 100K that has snow and ice on the ground again. So just a little entertainment to get things started for the runners, a nice little two and a half hour delay once you're fully caffeinated and warmed up. Uh, Nice little uh, variable to throw in to keep you on your toes. Yeah, and then because it had snowed and, and all of that, Dude, the, the conditions were insane, like the first 10 miles. Let's talk about that in a sec. Let's yeah. get Seth involved here, yeah. too. Maybe Seth and Matt talk about your guys's like responsibilities as crew and pacers before we go into how things uh, evolved on the race course and into Adam's race a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we're just like out there trying to take care of Adam, try to make sure he's like as warm at the start as possible because it, it was pretty cold. Um, it was kind of funny, like we dropped him off at like, well, at the start line, like 9am, you're like walking up to the track and me and Matt were like booking it down, trying to catch him on the road, like a little bit down. And then we hear somebody, I hear somebody say 930, we're like jumping like barbed wire fences and stuff. And like, (laughs) hear somebody be like 930 and I like pull up the live stream and it's like delayed another 30 minutes. So we come running back, jumping the fences, trying to get him his sweats on, you know, like it was, uh. I don't know, Adam, we get up to Adam, he's like cool as a cucumber and me and Matt were like stressing out trying to make <laughs> sure he's comfortable, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we're just standing there and like, I don't know, three buses roll in and we're like, ah, that's what's going on, so. It must have been stressful for all the people on the bus. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad they delayed it. Yeah, they I had made, to. Yeah, I tried to, I don't know, I'm sure other people did, but I made it a point to go up to Jubilee and say like, hey, like, thanks a lot, like no stress. Yeah. Because it's like, dude, it's not in her control and everyone's like mad at mad at her mad at the organization it's like she's just trying to you know navigate a lot of complicated logistics i'm sure she appreciated that it's funny since we've been in this race directing ball game i've developed a much deeper appreciation for what race directors go through and especially juggling those last minute 
super complicated things. It's so stressful, right? And all they want to do is deliver a positive experience for the runners. They're, yeah. like, I'm sure, just like mega stress. So big shout out to Jubilee, Jamil, Matt Feldick, the whole Air Viper team. Eventually, you guys did kick off. Tell us about the track. I heard it was sloppy. It was very sloppy. So I've run this race. This was the third time. So every time the conditions have been different, every time it seems to go out harder. It was like full send dude like it was the most wild experience so we, you know you do this like three quarters of a loop around the track total slop get on the road and then you kind of like get onto a little trail again for a second before you pop out on the road again and i'm telling you man it was like 30 to 40 guys just like hammering as hard as they could i saw a guy there's, I don't know if you've seen these, there's like a sinkhole, like the trail is there and then it stepped and like a huge hole opened yeah. up, fell into it, almost looked like he broke his leg, jumped up and started hammering again. And it was just like that energy for the first five miles. It was so <laughs> wild and it's slippery, you know, the whole time and people are just running 630 pace uphill in like slop. Yeah. It's wild. So when did it start to dry out a little bit? Because eventually, the, like the first four or five miles, from what I understand, I've never set foot on that part of the course. Yeah. You're sort of rolling along at about 4,000, 4,500 feet of altitude, and then you start dropping, yeah. and then the trail progressively gets drier. Dude, I feel like it didn't start like drying out in a meaningful way until after that first aid station at yeah. seven miles. Then it felt like a noticeable, because you're not on Jeep roads anymore. You actually get onto the single track where it's a little more rocky, so I think it drains better. That was pretty good. Yeah. But before that, it's like, yeah, like muddy the whole time. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, I was just interested in how it started because obviously now with the context of understanding of how the race evolved, I wondered how those early sloppy miles might've contributed to, you know, certain people's performances and whatever. We'll get into that in a bit. Close the loop on your race a little bit. I know you're going to talk long form about it on the Boulder Boys pod. So yes. before we get into some of the top performers, tell us what happened with you. Yeah. So um, let's see. I, I kind of went out with that front pack, but pretty early on, I just did not feel like I had any mental energy or like wellspring of fortitude and motivation to draw from. And this is something I'm going to talk about more on the, the Boulder Boys show, but like in these races that go well, there's this perfect harmony of like physical kind of peak you're primed and mentally you're like, I'm ready to freaking do this. Yeah. And you have a wellspring full up of like energy. And I just found out there very early. It was like, dude, I have like, there's nothing here. You ever plugged a well in and you try to pump it and nothing comes out and it's yeah. like, Oh, like there's nothing here. So I, it was weird. Um, Every time you race, it's like a new experience, you know, and uh, physically I felt okay, but I just mentally didn't feel like I could push or I, when I'd pass people, it wasn't motivating in the same way that it usually is. So Do you attribute that to just life, fatherhood, yeah, work, yeah, et cetera? Yeah. And I don't want to attribute it to any one of those things, but over the last like three months, I've had like five very major things that all kind of accumulate and, um, I don't know, like energy just gets transferred or taken away. Like none of this stuff is free, you yeah. know? So we moved, like my dad had a heart attack. Like my job's been crazy. I also have a son, like I'm trying to train. Like there's just all these things that you show up to the starting line. It's like, holy shit, I made it here, but I didn't have anything left to, to really compete. Bro, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. Right, what was the saying that we came up with yesterday that we wanted to print on a shirt? Rediscover the... Shred. 
Well, it wasn't rediscover the shred. Anyway, re- rediscover the groove. No, the smooth. Rediscover well, dude, I was smooth. thinking about that comment you made to me a year ago about like, how do you maintain this fine groove of alignment that you found yourself in from a yeah. performance standpoint? And it is like that. I yeah. feel like for people like, you know, Hayden or Rachel who have these like really great races, I'm sure they've been dialed. Yeah. You know, and I'd love to hear more about Rachel's story. I, I don't know, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe before we move off this again, go listen to the long form. I can't wait to hear, you know, you guys meditate on this all together, but yeah, it is a confluence of the training and the lifestyle. Right. And yes. I was actually talking to Nick Handel about this recently, also a great athlete who sold his business last year and knows what it's like to be like deep in that professional grind Yes, and how that impacts your training. And I basically voiced the same feeling is just like, I can't get myself to hurt running anymore. Like I just can't motivate myself to do that type of stuff because like all day, every day I'm just in the box metaphorically at my computer. (laughs) So the the idea of like going out and doing like three minute hill repeats, I'm like, I can't do that. Like I'm suffering enough already, you know? And then your running just falls off a cliff. So you got to figure out a way to have that balance in your personal professional life in order for your running to fit. And And especially when you step up to the plate, like black Canyon, at the most competitive, I mean, that race is like, no joke. Yeah. You know, and so for you, for me, I know maybe we're both trying to create the conditions to like be able to train and get that kind of thing out of ourselves again. So I'm just as excited for running maybe more so than I was before the race, yeah. but I just was like, dude, I, it, it is not here. I don't have it today. Create the conditions. All right. Well, again, look forward to listening to the podcast. Let's start talking about the race, but before we do so have to give a big thank you to our Sponsor here this race weekend, that being Hoka. Hoka always is great to work with around these big races, these golden ticket events. We also work with them over at UTMB, Western States, etc. Obviously, Hayden Hawks, long time freaking stud in that Hoka stable, brings home the victory yesterday. I think he was wearing that new Tecton X3, the shoe that Jim won UTMB in last year. Obviously, proud partners of the Western States race, the entire golden ticket chase. So a big thank you to Hoka for their support here today. I wanted to give a special shout out also to Chris Hollis from Hoka, sports marketing guy. He's sort of their events dude. He was all over the course yesterday. Nobody works harder in the sport than Chris Hollis. So big shout out to Chris. Check out Hoka.com for all their great trail running footwear and apparel. I know they're launching that Tectonex shoe this summer along with the update to the Speed Goat, which is probably the most popular shoe in the game right now. So moving on, men's recap. Let's start with Hayden Hawks. Matt Daniels, your boy, you called it. I know you're close to them. Talk about Hayden and his performance yesterday. I mean, it was legendary. Yeah. I mean, the way he ran that that whole, I mean, the whole course was crazy, but the way he ran from Black Indian City to the finish was just mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said on the uh, show beforehand, Hayden kind of called a shot to me early. He, you know, he, he told me what kind of fitness he was in, and usually when Hayden says he's in a certain type of fitness, he's usually right. Uh, it's just, you know, is it going to come together on, on the on the day? And um, yeah, I, you know, I think coming back from surgery can be a be a scary thing. Like, what's going to happen that first race? But um, I think for a guy like like Hayden, I think having that time off like forced time off from the surgery probably did him a world of good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having that little break and downtime, probably like whatever it really kind of set the system. And, um, I, Hayden's the guy who's always hungry, so you don't have to worry about the fire or, or the hunger in Hayden. But, uh, I think just having that, that break for, 
um, like cellular reconstruction essentially and like just being fresh and, and uh, having a new uh, mindset like is probably the driving force of this performance. Yeah. So Seth, eventually it, it became a race of three, right? Like it was Hayden, Jupiter, Hans Troyer at the front. What were you thinking as that was all evolving? Because the chase pack behind them too, I was like, geez, like these guys are moving course record pace. You know, Hayden's come back from surgery. These other two guys are sort of unproven. We don't know a lot about Hans and Jupiter. I was sort of thinking, you know, that that next pack was going to start chewing them up. What were you guys thinking while you were all cruising around after Adam pulled the plug? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of crazy to see because, like, I had never heard of Jupiter. Yeah. I had kind of known. I don't think anybody who, had. No, I'd kind of yeah. known who Hans Troyer was just from people talking about his performance at Bandera. Yeah. And then there's Hayden. So you're kind of like, like, well, Hayden's like obviously very good. So it's like, what are these guys, you know, like what's happening? Like, yeah. is Hayden just going to go run away with this thing? And like, that wasn't the case. Like they put in like a really good fight. And then, yeah, I mean like seeing Chris Meyer so close, who like just moved to Boulder. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it was crazy. Like I think all of us before the race had like been like, okay, these are the names that, are going to be like in the fight yeah. at the end of the race. And like only Hayden was like the only name that was in it that, that we had predicted. So it's like really crazy. I just have to say, I have so much respect for Hayden, man. Like what a savage that guy is. Like he, he always comes in with a confidence and he's earned that confidence. He's, you know, puts another trophy on a shelf that, is abundant with fantastic performances. But even going into the race, like I had doubts about it, right? Because typically you come back from knee surgery, you kind of need one rust buster to know you're on the level, right? He comes and breaks the course record, you know, and did so clinically. Yeah. The, the way he was in control, it felt to me, was like he was clearly the best that day. I clearly. agree. Hayden's really good. So I wasn't surprised, yeah. but the one other thing I wanted to say about like the guys behind him, uh, I think Eric LaPuma was like five minutes off of a ticket. Mm. So it's like very, it was very close the whole time. So when we were following the race, it was like, dude, if any, like not, maybe not Hayden, but like if Jupiter or Chris kind of falters, they're getting eaten up, you know? So it was very exciting all the way to the end. Yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up on the subject of the clinical execution. We were there at Table Mesa, which is the mile 50 crew access aid station, sort of the final critical aid station transition where you can really get a read on how the race is evolving. Hayden came through in the lead, looked fantastic. Just behind him was Jupiter and Chris Myers. Chris Myers charging at that point. And Hayden ended up winning by nine minutes. So he makes up or he put seven minutes into those guys who were also having fantastic days in the last 11 miles. So just proof, he truly was on a different level. He was totally in control of the race the whole time. Uh, ended up, you know, again, seven minutes ahead of Jupiter. I think he had like 13 on Chris when it was all said and done. So that last 11 mile stretch for Hayden was, was sick. And that return from injury too, like, I don't know how serious the, the knee injury was and, and the surgery, but... Yeah, what a way to make a comeback. His wife, Ashley, also finished. I pulled up her Instagram here while Seth was talking because I wanted to read the caption of her post because it's beautiful. Also, while you're pulling this up, yeah. shout out Ashley. Yeah. 
previous 50 mile national champion yeah. at Pioneer Spirit a few years ago. She's also a really good runner. Great athlete. Great athlete. Mother of two. So she was stepping up to the 100K for the first time. So I'm just going to read her Instagram caption here for our audience. She says, what a day yesterday coming into the finish line to this guy. And this is a video of her coming into a big hug from Hayden. That's beautiful. Coming into the finish line to this guy meant everything. I went for it and put myself in there and then had a very difficult second half of the race, but I'm proud of myself for finishing my first 100K at Black Canyon. It was super special because while I was out on the trail, I found out that Hayden Hawks won the race in course record time and got his golden ticket to Western States. It has been a journey and he has come back from knee surgery last year and I witnessed firsthand the hours and hours of rehab, biking, running, and determination to get back. I'm so proud of him, not only for his race yesterday, but for the kind of person he is day in and day out. It was so special to get him to the finish line and share that moment with him. Fucking beautiful, man. Yeah, I think that that's something a lot of people watching the race maybe doesn't, they don't see or realize is like at this level of running, two, three months off of running can wreck a career. Yeah. I mean, you, you just lose sight of the guys that are training and getting fit. And so... Uh, the work he put in and the sacrifices him and Ashley had to make, you know, with time away from the kids or, what, you know, whatever it may be, um, it, it makes a, a race like that so much more special, I think. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, like, in all sports, that's what kind of separates, like, the greats from everybody mm -hmm. else, like, being able to come back from injury or whatever and just, like, dedicate their, like, day-to-day -to, -day to, like, becoming the runner they were yeah. and then pass like surpassing it. So true. Another interesting thing that I'd love to get your guys' take on maybe Seth starting with you when I was out there on the course with Bumby last night, you know, he's suffering, suffering. And this dude is an absolute thoroughbred, right? Introducing himself to a hundred K and into an ultra marathon for the first time. And he's like, man, like I've just never really run terrain like this. And I was like, yeah, I know, man. It's like, it's just a different ball game. And if you're not used to it, he was complaining about like cramping his, he's like, I can't lift my feet up, my hip flexors, et cetera. And brought to mind because I knew that Hayden was in the lead and I had assumed he had finished and won at that point about the importance of specificity in our training, right? Because Hayden lives in Cedar City, Utah, not that far from here, desert Southwest, very similar terrain and trails, I'm assuming to what they have here in Arizona. So maybe something for us all to discuss here is just like that importance of the specificity in training. And like, you know, there's, it's probably not a coincidence that somebody who trains on that type of terrain every day was by far the strongest dude in the field. Yeah. I mean, I think now, especially now when the sports like as good and fast as it is, it's like, specificity is like the difference yeah. that, that I think can make, you know, you're like, you win the race or you're outside the top 10. I mean, it's like Bumby when he was training on the track, I doubt Jerry Schumacher let him go run trails. That's like, that was like a thing. You're like you're running track, you run pretty flat, you know, easy for trail runners, easy terrain. And, um, yeah. And then I think it's the opposite for trail. It's like, if you're not out there, especially this stuff, like it's a mountain bike trail. Okay. Like it's made to be fun and flowy, which is really fun on a bike, but beats you up if you're, if you're running it. So, uh, it's funny though, but even like 
for me, thinking about living in the Bay Area, right? And then coming out here to a place where, you know, you're going to be in, exposed to the sun the whole time. It's rockier, more technical, looser. And then like those micro uppy, downy, twisty, turny trails, like even those small things when you do the vast majority of your training on dirt are different and need to be adapted to, right? And if you're not, if it's not like something you're super familiar with, it compromises your performance. And that's why we're seeing people starting to do their training camps on the course, right? So, and it's something like Brittany Peterson did a few years ago when she won the race. Hannah Allgood did it last year, but ended up having a tough day. Hayden did it this year, came out, ran the whole course, did his crew transitions, full dress rehearsal, and boom, sticks it. It's, it's no coincidence, right? Like it's, this is going to, this is the evolution of the sport now. Like you want to win black Canyon. You got to come out here and train for five days at some point during the winter yeah. or longer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it helps, but it, it's crazy because there are still athletes who, who did that. Yeah. Ended up having the DNF. Yeah. You know, it's, that's ultra running. It, that's true. It's wild. Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> also like just to further, like put some respect on Hayden's name, like Hayden, Yes, he did that. And that is training specificity, I think can help get that extra one, two, three percent. But dude, Hayden is doing every little thing every day, full time, like training. Yeah. So just in terms of pure physical kind of capability uh, and readiness for tr trail ultra marathon racing, he's like on a yeah. very high level or like that next level, I think. So that's, yeah, I don't know. Like, very impressive. Yeah. Really cool, man. Things are just moving so quickly. Anything else on Hayden? I think we should obviously start banging through some of the rest of the top 10. You know, one of the stories of the day, second place, Jupiter Carrera Casas from Mexico. We think our first ever Latin American golden ticket recipient came in totally anonymous. I'd never heard of this guy. Now we follow him on Instagram. We're trying to set up a podcast with him where we'll use our good friend Fernando as our interpreter. But what a fantastic race. The dude looked chill all day. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was wild. I, I, you know, as soon as uh, his name was starting to kind of be in that, that top five, top three position, I immediately went and tried you know, searching him. And lo and behold, the guy's just been ripping the scene in Mexico. And yeah. so it's like, oh, this all makes sense. You know, yeah. it's, it's like coming here, trying to like make a name for yourself in, in, uh, on the U.S. scene and it was really freaking cool to see. So, so cool. Yeah, I don't speak Spanish, but I think in the post-race interview, you said something about like he was the champion of all the races in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that's how it translated. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like we were sitting on the couch last night. He's like about to come in. We're like, who is this guy? We started looking at him and like, fair enough. Yeah, he kind of has won everything in Mexico. Like I, our bad for not knowing who he is. Yeah, uh, super dope to see him run such a strong race and Debo, I appreciate you just, yeah. Highlighting the fact that it's like maybe the first Latin American runner to receive a golden ticket. It's like that seeing diversity kind of come into the sport like that at the high, higher level is super exciting. So I was yeah. pumped to see him come through like that. And what a great addition it's going to be to the Western States field too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that later. Chris Myers third. I know he's somebody that I, Matt, I think you know him pretty well. So a few words about Chris, cause this was a major breakout for him too. Yes, it was. And like we said, Chris just moved to Boulder. Um, so 
we we've had an opportunity to go on some runs with him um, over the last what, what is it? I guess he moved about two months ago. Over the last month, we've we've gone a few runs with him, and um, we'd be lying to say like Seth took him up green and kind of tried breaking him to see where his fitness was, and that's just that's what you do in Boulder. And the dude hung on, and it's like, whoa, Chris is fit, and um, you know you you don't want to like talk somebody up too much before race and like make them feel a certain way. And it was just so cool to see that come through uh, on a day like like yesterday for Black Canyon where so much is on the line. And so um, I was talking pre-race with, with you and Corinne. I, I thought like Chris or a guy like, you know, Matt Seidel, one of those younger guys, they were due for a breakthrough. And it, um, man, like what a stage to do it on. What a stage. What a stage. Anything you want to add about trying to break Chris on green? Oh, no, week? no. It's funny. Like uh, I think it was probably a few weeks ago he did a run with us and he was like asking us kind of like, you know, how do we train, like getting insights? And now I'm like, like I should be asking you, like, <laughs> what, what insights do you have for us? Like, also, he's, he's a good dude. One more thing on Chris, man. Like, I think this is like, I, I can't, I, I, maybe I know how he feels a little bit, but like, dude, people who are really paying attention to the sport, like, I've seen Chris pop off insane 50Ks yeah. in the last two years. And it's like, man, he is really freaking good. Mm -hmm. But for it to have, and he's just missed out on a golden ticket, I think last year at Bandera, right? So, like, for it to come together, on the day that you need it to is like awesome and super exciting. And like, I'm stoked for him, but he's the same athlete he was right. two weeks ago or, you know, a couple months ago. So it's, I'm really excited to see him like get that breakthrough, but he's been a kick-ass athlete. You yeah. Know? Such a great story, man. Those three golden tickets, one, two, three, Hayden Hawks, Jupiter Carrera uh, Casas and Chris Myers. Can't wait to see each and every one of them bring really unique, stories to western states 100 this year in june fourth place was craig hunt he was freaking absolutely flying at the end we've got some good stats about that maybe i'll just bang through a few of these here and then you guys can add whatever color you want craig hunt was in fourth stephen kirsch in fifth also a great race from him Trayson knopp from alaska comes through in six eric lapuma in seventh gabriel klein from san diego another new name to me was an eighth. Nate Jukes from Cedar City, father of five, friend of Hayden Hawks in ninth. The long-range missile right at the end. The long-range missile. That was insane, dude, that pass. I didn't see it. Oh, what on happened? On the live stream? Oh. Yeah, he like he like out-sprinted uh, Hans. Hans? Hans. Hans. Dude, yeah. long-range. You could yeah. see it coming on the live stream, and he was like twice as fast as him just and passed him right at the cattle gate like Justin Grunewald. Yeah, oh, yeah wow. the drone was like following... Uh, <laughs> oh, the, the drone was like following uh, Hans Troyer. And then, like, out of nowhere, this dude comes, like, we're like, is that a pace? Oh, my gosh. It's like, I got to see that juice. clip. So then rounding out the top 10, Hans Troyer. So I'd love to open it up for discussion on the rest of the top 10. I know you had some interesting communications with Hans's crew chief, too. So Yeah, I, I got to give a shout out to Hans because, yeah. I mean, the kid put on a show. I mean, he ran Bandera a month ago um, mm -hmm. and won it and ran an insane time that we, we, you know, we talked about up there with like the likes of Jim Walmsley yeah. and um, fresh into the sport. And that, so I've been communicating with him a little bit over the last two weeks. Uh, a, about a, a little over a week ago, Hans actually picked up an injury where he, he couldn't run. It was like an Achilles post-tib type injury. Um, kind of in freak out mode, not knowing what to do. And I was talking with um, a buddy of his, I don't, I guess maybe coaching him, but a good friend of his, Dylan. And um, we were like, you know, what to do to be able to line up for, for this race. And I said, you, you like, you need to just get off of it right now. Your fitness isn't going to change at all. And took the advice, like didn't run a step until, until race day. I think maybe did like a short 
shakeout uh, Friday to, to check things out, but got some dry needling done, was in a boot, like a medical boot, not running at all. Had like five different flights to get over here and missed his flight in, from Vegas to, to Texas to here. Was in Vegas overnight, made it here really late the night before the race, shows up and just rips. It <laughs> stays on Hayden like glue until 10 miles to go. I mean, that's a sport of ultra Read, running. Read right that there, text from uh, from his crew captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me let me pull this up here. Oh, I got it somewhere here. Um, I've got it here too. If you want me to read yeah, it. Yeah. So you know, asked how things were going, and um, he said that um, he was about he at the mile 51 aid station. Um, he said things were starting to unravel, but he was sticking to him like glue. And he was quoting he was quoting David Goggins leaving the aid station. So his spirits were high and. Um, and he hadn't, you know, his crew hadn't heard a word about his injury. And so um, I don't know what it takes, like, to be in that mental state that late into a race, like, that new into a sport. And then just, like, I don't know, it, it, a major props to him for just sending it and kind of not caring and um, trying to make a name for himself. And I think that's what he did. I think it's kind of Zach Miller energy, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yeah. Remember when Zach, maybe you guys weren't even around the scene at that time when Zach Miller was fresh off the cruise ship, won Lake Sonoma, beat everybody. Everyone's like, who is this maniac? And then he shows up to every race and gasses off the start. And now he's, of course, become world famous fan favorite of the sport just because of the bravery and courage that he brings to each and every star line. I kind of feel like Hans has a similar energy. That was badass. Badass. Yeah. How 23 years 23? old. Oh, just saying hey you're hayden hawks oh you've won basically every race in the sport i'm gonna just straight run with you. disrespecting people out here dude that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> uh cool well yeah just awesome you know performances seth did you have anything you wanted out there cool yeah just great great stuff from the whole top 10 yeah i was, I was expecting lapuma to be sort of in the in the mix there for the podium he ends up in seventh and a couple of stats that I wanted to bring up the reason I bring up seventh is because third through seventh place separated by five minutes. Unbelievable. So that means, yeah, again, La Puma five minutes outside a golden ticket, uh, placement there in seventh position. Another cool stat that I was looking at this morning, men's top 10 separated by 33 minutes. Last year, they were separated by 50. So again, we uh, less attrition. We can talk about that here in a little bit, but just like the concentration and the depth and just like you have to execute start to finish. You have to execute all 100Ks at this point in order to, you know, land in the top 10. Yeah, I think one other little like note from the field, like that maybe, I don't think it really translates on the live stream. Maybe it does. I, I didn't watch the beginning yet, but like, dude, it's not just like running this time which is a very fast time. It's like going out so freaking hard at the beginning and then like still being able to run really well for mm -hmm. 50 miles because the pace people are going out at is like redonkulous. I have some good stats about that that we'll get to in a little bit. I wanted to give a shout out also to Tim Tollison finished just outside the top 10 in 11th place. Ryan had some, I think a conversation with him at the finish line. He seemed to be in good spirits. Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. He doesn't have a microphone, but the gist of it was like, hey, I'm happy with the day. These young kids are just super fast now. I saw Tim on the trail. Here, I'm going to let Ryan go first. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I saw him on the trail. He he and Rod passed me at one point, and I made a comment. Like He said to me, actually, he was like, did you kick the hornet's nest? <laughs> and I was like, no, man. Like This is crazy. And, he, and I was kind of like, man, I'm surprised you're not up there because... 
I remember at Pioneer Spirit a few years ago, 50 mile championship, he led the race out like that, sent it yeah. so fast. Um, and he was like, well, you know, I've gotten like wiser and like, um, I actually like watching people blow up now. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was really cool. I was stoked to see him like hold it together and run a really strong race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like racing these days, like people are blowing up, but not as many as you would hope, yeah. you know, like all these guys are like hanging on and finishing. Yeah. Top seven within five minutes of third. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I mean like they the all whole, went out hard. Yeah. It's just crazy. And yeah, I mean just like if you, if you miss a little bit, you're outside the top 20 a race like black Canyon. Now when I was coming up, you miss a little bit. You're still like fifth. You know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anything else on the men before we move on to the women? Okay. Jeez, another burner in the women's race. Heather Jackson, as she always does, trademark strategy, hit the gas early. She was in control of the race, um, you know, at least through Bumblebee and then beyond, running her quintessential front running uh, style. I was talking to her husband, Wadi, at the 50K aid station, Deep Canyon Ranch, and I was like, I was thinking back to her triathlon career. I was like, you know, she does go out hard, but even in like triathlon, she never really blows up, blows up. Like she's just a very consistent performer. She blew up a little bit yesterday. We love Heather, obviously. One of the things that Wadi said though is that, yes, because she always came out of the water behind the leaders in triathlon. So she's so used to just always having to be full throttle <laughs> as soon as she jumps on a bike. So, you know, she, and then, you know, through the run transition too, like, cause she's always coming from behind. So here in trail running, she's always starting at the front because she's used to that full gas strategy from the start. Of course, our women's champion, Rachel Drake, Matt, maybe you get us started. Yeah. I mean, I think we, I mean, I think we all saw it coming. <laughs> we, we all had the predictions uh, that Rachel Drake would, would be on the top of the podium. And um, I mean, she just has put so much into, into training and being ready for this race by, you know, skipping out on the Olympic trials and that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, she put it together and another just textbook race. I, I don't, her splits too were some of the fastest historically um, through different sections. I think um, Liam Aid Station Fireball has a lot of good stats on that as well online, but uh, just an in incredible day. I'm, I'm here looking on the um, her result actually, for some reason, isn't popping up on the on the live results page. But um, yeah, I mean, she was she maybe just outside of the course record. I Two think. minutes Two back minutes. of Keeley's time I mean, from last year, and Keeley was and pacing. Her. pacing yeah. her. How cool is that? Yeah, um, such a such a good run. Um, and of course, like I think, uh, yeah, we saw we kind of saw the writing on the wall after like her insane race over in Hong Kong a couple weeks ago, and then her crazy fast marathon before that it was like just all building up to this this moment and maybe this is part of the build up to something special at western states yeah. you know who knows <laughs> was this her she's was this one of her like first 100ks she hadn't run 100k since 2019 ccc okay so three and a half yeah. year hiatus it's a it's a good uh really good result coming coming back into the 100k she's so talented yeah and just to like double tap everything that's been said but like such an amazing run, such a great time, but also like a quick parent moment. It's just like to be a mom who, you know, like has a young son caring for him, gave birth, breastfeed, all that stuff, right? I'm a dad, but it's like next level for 
you know, a mom who's had to physically go through the, the birth process. It's just so, uh, yeah. inspiring, impressive. Um, yeah, I was so stoked to see, I was like, kind of looking over my shoulder when I was like about to drop out. I was like, dude, she's probably right there. Yeah. You know, she was running really freaking yeah. fast. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up later. I don't know if Jupiter has kids, but Hayden, I think he does. Okay. So we had two dads and two moms on the podium. Hell Yes, dude. There's Mom hope strength for and us. dad strength. Yes. It's real. No, it's not. No. At least not for me. <laughs> but I mean, obviously like Tyler and Rachel, they're on an absolute heater right now. And they've got an 18 month old baby boy. I couldn't Power be couple. happier for both of them. I was talking to Tyler at the finish line last night. I was like, so who's running Western States? He's like, yeah, probably both of us. I was like, yes. So dope. <laughs> like what a great story going into Western States too. Another fun anecdote from the field that gives an insight into, I think what it takes to win races like this. We were at deep Canyon ranch again, 50 K or so on the race course, the crew access aid station. And I was there with, with Tyler and the rest of Rachel's crew. And as Rachel came in, since I was standing there, I just like took an iPhone video of it. And Rachel gets out quickly and Tyler's like, does anybody have a time of that? And because I had took a video, I said, it was 43 seconds. I got it all on video. And he's like, yes, because Heather was a minute and a half. And so, you know, it's just like, a, I think a great example of you know, where you can get a 45 second advantage. It makes a big difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it was the same thing on the men's side. I was, I was watching videos of Hayden coming through aid stations, not even stopping yeah. literally a bottle exchange with this crew. So, right. um, yeah, that's part of the, the reason why races are getting so much faster and the sports changing. It, it's so interesting, right? Because typically it's just like you start your stopwatch when, you know, the leader takes off, right? They're actually timing the leader's aid station transition so they can compare to their own. It's like formula one shit, isn't it? It's amazing. Crazy. And like, if you look at the, how close like, uh, Becca Wendell was to Rachel Drake, it's like, you need to have fast transitions. You know, that's the yeah. difference between winning and getting second place these days. They were basically together at the last aid station, right? Right. Yeah. I had, yeah. It's crazy. 20 seconds at the last aid station. Rachel won by five minutes. So again, and last year we'll all remember Keely, Heather and Ida were all basically within a minute of each other at this last aid station. Yes. It's coming down to the wire. And it's so crazy too, like the commentary on the live stream about the fact that in a hundred K, so like eight and a half hour race, there's still like decisive moves that get made. Like Rachel yeah. kind of going through that mud and the river transition, like, you know, making that move on Becca. It's just so cool that it's still like transitions matter. Actual moves matter. It's not just like, oh, whoever's fitter is just going to run faster. Mm -hmm. I, one thing that came into my mind is that this is three out of the last four years, Portland, Oregon has won a race because Tyler won, Keely won, now Rachel won. So shout out to the PNW. Portland, Oregon shows up Man, to Boulder's kind of lacking out here. We got to get our shit. Kind of deletes what I said earlier about the specificity thing. Actually, you know, like the Wildwood is the Wildwood trail in Portland is actually very similar. Just much wetter. <laughs> okay. Big shout out to Rachel Drake. What an incredible run again. I think the second fastest time in history, it must be after her good friend and pacer Keely Henninger's fantastic course record performance last year, Becca Windell. I don't know much about her. I was talking to David Roche out on the course yesterday about her swap athlete, Fort Collins. I think she's doing her PhD work at Colorado State University. Any of you guys have color on Becca? Honestly, no, I don't know much about her either. I think, uh, you know, coached, coached by either David or Megan, you can probably count on them having a really good day. And so, um, 
not surprised, honestly. I mean, I'm surprised, but not surprised. It's really cool to see kind of a new face to me um, shine on such a big stage. I'm just pulling up some of her. It's so dope. I mean, the fact that none of us really know who that who she is, like, it's just so cool that someone like that who's doing the work behind the scenes can just come out here and pop off. I mean, that was like such a strong run with a world-class athlete like Rachel, sponsored by Nike, big world-class results. And it's, it's a cool part about the sport. Yeah. When they, Rachel and Keely passed Bumby and I on that like kind of final climb, I guess probably four or five miles outside of that. We were probably about 55 miles into the course at that point. And yeah, just like, it was so crazy how close they were together still at that point. Obviously the aid station, they were separated by whatever, like 20 seconds. It was probably two minutes at that point. Rachel sort of tried to break the elastic officially, but competition all the way to the end. I just pulled up some of Becca's uh, results here. It looks like in 2021, she was fifth at the Canyons 100K, second at the rut. She won the Bear 100 miler in 2021. It, I don't see any results from last year for her. So I don't know if she was dealing with injury or something like that, but sort of like the Hayden Hawk story. If she was, she took a whole year off of racing. What a way to jump back into the comp competitive scene, a second place golden ticket here at Black Canyon. Unbelievable. Yeah, I was kind of creeping on her Instagram. It looked like she's a PhD student yep. possibly too. So maybe that was... I mean, to be able to do any of this stuff while doing something like getting a PhD is yeah. incredible. <laughs> I am now. I just moved over to Ultra Sign Up. It looked like she did run a trail marathon in October of 2023. So other than that, no race results that I can see from last year. So Kind of like Katie Shad vibes, getting her PhD. Yeah. And slaying races. Unbelievable. Epic. So many PhD. John Ray's a PhD guy. There's, you know, then there's John Kelly and all those Barclay postgraduate degree people that, you know, it's, maybe I need to go back to school. It makes me feel like such, <laughs> yeah. look at us. We're just podcasters here. Lowly podcasters. Just lowly podcasters. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Laura Puretz. Matt, I know you, you know, Lauren, well, talk yeah, about her and yeah. her performance. Um, I mean, uh, the performance of the year, I mean, it, it was incredible. So she's like I mentioned on our, our pre-race show, she's one to watch out for. She's been close to golden ticket and a lot of uh, golden ticket races, but they haven't been quite as competitive as this one was. Um, she had a really good, um, I think maybe it was Havelina. She had a good race, but, uh, I mean, for her, this race was textbook. She just kind of moved up all, she was in the hunt all, all day, but then moved up over that second half and ran lights out over from black Canyon city to the finish as well. And, um, yeah, I was texting with her crew yesterday afternoon and they were, you know, because of the push, um, up start time, they were trying to scramble around, trying to find like headlamps to, to pace and, and run. And I guess they got, you know, they got it all figured out and everything, but, um, just, uh, an awesome performance. She's a mother of two, um, OBGYN. I think she's in, she's 40. Sorry, Lauren, if I get this wrong. Yep. She's 40. Um, so, you know, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado Springs, cool. um, just had an awesome day out there. And so, yeah, really pumped to see that. And, um, I saw it coming, so I'm I'm pumped to see it actually like come to fruition. <laughs> so two Coloradans in the women's podium. Chris Myers represents Colorado, so look at it with three Boulder boys on the couch here. Take home three golden tickets back to Colorado, my home state too. We should say 
Laura Purette's also an Aravipa racing team member. What a great story there. They've got to be stoked. They've got to be really pumped. She'll be rocking the Aravipa racing singlet at Western States here in just a few months. So that's your women's podium. Rachel Drake, Becca Wendell, Lauren Purette's. Is she the first like Aravipa team member to get a ticket? I'm not sure. Charlie Ware might have been running for them yeah. when he got one. Yeah, that's probably the case. Yeah. All right, let's bang through four through ten, and you guys can add whatever you want. Fourth place was Jenna Bensko, who was fourth at Gorge last year, bringing home a fourth place here at another great 100K. Kat Drew, Canadian, came through in fifth. Another Canadian, Genevieve Aslin Demers in sixth. Tara Dower in seventh. Anna McKenna, Australian in eighth. Riley Brady in ninth. And Marcy Klimek, who is Corinne's dark horse, rounds out our top 10. Anything else on the rest of the women's top 10? Any of those names you guys want to talk about? I just think it's crazy that people from Canada are coming down with so much success. Yeah. And I don't think this is the first year. Like, Emery Madden did it a couple of years ago. People try and escape the winter, I think. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a picture floating around of Tara Dower post-race. Just, I mean, it's 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 so funny. Howie always snaps the best shots of Tara. Yeah. He got the one at um, Javelina where she fell into the cactus and is pulling cactus out. And then this one, she's just covered in blood and scrapes, just looking like a total badass and like got the job done. So I reshared it onto the too. free trail Instagram yeah. story today saying um, the same thing. So that that's awesome. It's great to see, see her having a, a really good race. I think her background's a little different than most people. So mm -hmm. that's a fun story to follow. She was more of a, a through hiker and kind of got getting into this ultra scene and, um, I think just signed with ultra maybe. Um, yeah, I, the rest of the top 10, there's a few names I'm actually unfamiliar with. Um, and then I think athletes like Kat drew, you know, that I would expect a, a good performance out of her. And so, yeah, it was a fun race to follow all day too. A little bit of carnage actually, which mm -hmm. was interesting. Um, usually you see more of that on the men's side. And I feel like this year there was a little bit more carnage on the women's side. Um, and I don't know what, um, attribute to that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, good observation. Well, just to yeah provide a little bit of historical context too. Again, representative of the density of competition here. Women's top ten separated by fifty five minutes this year. Last year was sixty eight. Third through seventh again in the men's race. Third through seventh separated by five minutes. Third through seventh in the women's race separated by thirteen. So it's just like it's tight. It's so tight. It's so tight. Um, yeah. I was going to get to this later. Before we get to uh, Liam's stats, my, what I'm going to call fireball corner here, because we got some great stats that I want to get all your guys' perspective on. On the subject of attrition and carnage, there still weren't like that many drops, notable drops. We had our boy Adam Mary here on the couch, MK Sullivan, Allison Baca, JP Giblin. We thought Cat Short didn't start. I don't know. I felt like I thought she did, but um, now I'm not seeing anything on the. Um on the uh, live tracker with like splits or anything. So I don't know if it's just a glitch in the system or, yeah. or what, but um, yeah, I need to like, I guess go through that a little bit. Yeah. Closer. Anyway. Yeah. Just not, not a ton of drops. You want to tell a story about you? Yeah. Okay? I just want to shout out. Um, well, JP Giblin, it looked like he was having a tough day out there, but still moving forward. But uh, when I came into Bumblebee and was like doing the walk of shame about to drop out, the trail gods smiled upon me. MK Sullivan, who rolled in looking so good. Yeah. Didn't think anything was wrong, but I think uh, she'd like hurt her knee falling um, on the trail. Was dropping out at the same time. We had the same cut on our knee. 
we walked over to the medical person and both dropped out together. It, like took the sting out of what was like a pretty tough moment, you know? Um, so shout out MK. I, I know uh, she has some other races lined up this year, but she looked like she was on a good one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And there was just a, a lot of people who just eventually sort of unraveled, suffered, but they still got it done, which was really cool to see. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Yeah. Moving. Shout out Riley for grinding it out. Yeah. Riley was, ninth place. Yeah. Super consistent. So consistent. Even on an imperfect day, yes. bringing home a top 10. Shout out to Riley. All right. You guys ready for fireball corner here? Let's do it. Fireball corner. All right. These are the top five stats from Liam Tryon, AKA aid station fireball on Twitter. If you don't follow this guy, you are absolutely missing out on some of the best trail running content. Also the, real quick. I got to meet him. Yeah. I, I he's out there ripping right now. Meeting a celebrity, but dude, He's from Canada. Yeah. So that's why it's so easy for him to dunk on the American trail running scene, man. From Canada. <laughs> shout out Liam. And he's racing the 60K right now. So big shout out to Liam Tryon. Yeah, I saw him all over the course yesterday. He's just blasting tweets out right and left. And I was I didn't get to watch any of the broadcasts. I didn't like catch up on any of the Instagram, wasn't on Twitter. So last night I just binged Liam's tweets <laughs> and I was like, okay, we got to bring some of this stuff into the broadcast. So that's how I came up with the fireball corner here. So I got five of them here. Number one, in 10 years of running the Black Canyon 100K course, there have been only 11 minute women to run under 915. Four of those women did so yesterday. So Again, another good example of just how fast and competitive everything is becoming. Second stat, none of the male runners who currently have a golden ticket to Western states in place from previous race performance finished in the top 20. John Ray finished 21st. Cole Watson finished 26th. Ryan Montgomery finished 27th. And I think he had sent this out before Heather Jackson ended up finishing. I think there was some confusion about whether Heather had dropped or finished. I think she finished 12th or 14th, something like that. But an interesting stat, your stone cold lock was that not one so of, stone cold. One of the, yeah. My, yeah. My stone cold lock was also completely terrible. We'll get to that in a little bit. But an interesting observation, you know, the people who have their golden tickets into Western states, you know, still finished, but had tough days out there yesterday. Yeah. I think, you know, Corinne had it right on the previous show saying that, uh, everybody that had the ticket was probably going to just kind of, kind of go for it and send it and see what happens. And, um, yeah, I mean, kudos to Corinne for nailing that prediction. <laughs> I wonder if that stat would play out across other golden ticket races. Cause like, I do feel like you really, really, really have to want it, you know? Um, so maybe, I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into like having a good day or not, but um, yeah, those guys already had their spot. So, you know, yeah, easier to ease up. Totally. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just think like when you see someone of John Ray's caliber finish 21st and then Cole Watson, 26th, Ryan Montgomery, 27th. It's just like, geez, man, where would I have been in the fifties? <laughs> but you know, like I was saying, I mean, People were going out so hard. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's carnage, you know, and shout out, shout out to the big cat for getting it done. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. getting, all those guys for getting yeah, it done. All of those they guys. Didn't yeah. Need, yeah. They didn't need to finish. They yeah. could have easily packed in focus on Western States. Already got my spot. Nothing to prove. Yeah. None of those guys. You know, go do some other race, you know, yeah. or get back straight back to training. No, yeah. you know, finish it up, suffer a little bit, yes. take the humble pie, learn. And then we go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Third stat from Liam. 
Between Black Canyon and Black Canyon City in the finish, Hayden Hawks had the fastest split ever, three hours, 11 minutes, 15 seconds. Between Table Mesa in the finish, Craig Hunt had the fastest split ever, one hour, 23 minutes, 28 seconds, over four minutes faster than Janusz Kowalczyk did last year. Craig Hunt was flying. And actually, we were talking about this last night. It stuck out in my mind because it was kind of a bizarre moment. Craig Hunt comes in to Table Mesa, probably like right on the threshold of top 10. And whoever was crewing for him there told him, hey, it's nine minutes to fourth place. And it stuck in my head because it was like, what a bizarre thing to say, because fourth place isn't even a golden ticket. But his crew made a point to tell him nine minutes to fourth place. He finished in fourth place, running the fastest split ever in those last 11 miles. Well, shout out Craig Hunt. I mean, like that's indicative of like a tough mind, but also like maybe a great hundred mile performer. I mean, like at this type of race, he would have gotten him. It's a good point, right? Because let's see how far back he was at the finish then. Yeah, he was 16 minutes back of Hayden when all was said and done. So, but interesting. Yeah, three three minutes behind Chris. Three minutes to a golden ticket there for Craig. Wow. So, so cool. All right, fourth stat from Liam. No runner has ever been further back than third place through Black Canyon City, mile 37, and still won the race. You got to be in the fight, right? That rings true. That's that's sort of when things start to devolve for a lot of people, too. I recall last year when the crew access aid station was Black Canyon City rather than Deep Canyon Ranch, it was triage unit there. (laughs) Tons of people falling apart at Black Canyon City. Yeah, a stat like this is something we're starting to see in every major trail race. Is there's a point in the race where if you're not you're not in that top three or whatever, you know, you're you're not you have no chance at winning. I mean, seeing it at UTMB, yeah, the, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Also, the different. I don't know if how different this is than five years ago, but the difference between winning and third is a big, meaningful difference. So if you're trying to get third, that's a lot different than trying to win. You know, right. Very good point. Fifth and final stat from our good friend, aid station fireball, Liam Tryon. Since 2016, 15 men have run under eight hours. Of those 15 finishers, eight of them were from this year. Sports changing. Sick. Sports changing. What do you think about the conditions? Because clearly it was like a low 50s day in a place that spends much of the year in the triple digits. Dude, but this is the weird thing. You know, the data doesn't always tell the full story. Yeah. It's like the conditions in the first 10 miles were effed up, dude. Yeah. Like slow, bad. Uh, and then it it felt warm, dude. Like coming into Bumblebee, I was like, man, it's starting to get a little bit warm. So I can only imagine like as the day unfolded, probably heated up a little bit more. Maybe it was only 50, but maybe the real feel was like a little bit hotter. Yeah. Yeah, and Adam, you were saying like, Everybody was falling and tripping all over the place the first Yeah, banging miles. their knee, getting scraped up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously, it's better than the hot alternative for running fast times. But for sure. Yeah, like last year was really nice conditions. I felt like a high of whatever, maybe low 70s maximum. We saw both course records go down last year. This year, we see... That one course record go down microscopically. Hayden took, I think, two minutes off Anthony Costales. And then the opposite in the women's race, Rachel was two minutes off Keeley's time. It went to something that we were saying on the broadcast, the pre-race show about how 
Hayden was saying maybe 720. And I said, you know, I could see the course record going down, but if so, it's going to be a smaller margin. We're not going to see another 20 minutes come off like we saw Anthony take from, I think, Sage Canada's time. Any other final thoughts on the elite races, the elite fields before we transition to talk about how terrible we all were at predicting everything? No, it was just like, it's getting more and more entertaining following these races. Like, I love unpredictable stuff. And like, it's just, it's, the sport is getting entertaining and fun to follow. So fun. And it also like, feels like it's getting higher stakes. Like, as a pro who's signed up to, for this race before, like, I don't know, looking at the start, start list this time and seeing how the race unfolded, I got nervous thinking about signing up for this race in the future. So, um, yeah, it's kind of fun to be a part of. Yeah, and to just like uh, build off that, like big shout out to Jamil and Oliveira Vipa for building this race into what it is. Like I, I raced Canyons last year and got a golden ticket. It was not anywhere near the chaos that ensued yesterday from an elite perspective. Mm -hmm. They're just like not the same density, not the same, I don't know, like insanity of racing. And I think that's really cool that Era Vipa has like build this race as like, this is the barn burner. Yeah. This is where everybody comes to like freaking send it in February. So it's really fun. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Yeah. Just, I think this being the super golden ticket race where we go three deep, I hope we continue to do that. And I will advocate for that in the coming years because they've absolutely earned it. They'd put on a great show, a great live stream, celebrate the front, middle, and back of the pack. But man, the front of that race yesterday, there's it puts it in a league of maybe a handful of races worldwide that has that type of a field on a single day with great media and storytelling around it. It's just fantastic. And on that note, they're going to be broadcasting the big Alta in two weeks. So, Let's go. Yeah, so we've got mountain outpost team broadcasting both the big Alta and gorge waterfalls this year. So very excited to collaborate with them on that stuff. Okay. Moving on. Let's talk about how terrible all of our predictions were. My stone cold lock of the day was that Ryan Montgomery would be in the top five. He finished 25th. Matt's stone cold lock was that there would be a golden ticket roll down. In other words, one of our golden ticket, uh, possessors would finish in the top three. That didn't happen. Corinne said that there would be 40 men on course record pace through the mile 12 aid station. Did that happen? It must have happened. Yeah. I don't know if it happened. It must yeah. have. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Seidel for sending it <laughs> to <laughs> Bumblebee. That yeah. was crazy. I just, about him. Yeah. I just couldn't believe. I mean, again, shout out Matt Seidel. Like, but it's just like, he strung that field along. I mean, there were so many guys running so, so, so fast. I like, got a lucky single-handedly blew up half the pro field. Yeah. <laughs> he finished 19th. Heck yeah, Matt. Way to swing for the fences. Good for him, man. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was both of our sort of like... Uh, you know, potential breakout performers. So Matt Seidel leading through Bumblebee, big smile on his face. He's such a sweetheart. He's a Bay Area guy. So run with him occasionally. He's a, a very uh, adored member of the Bay Area trail running community. And he put on a show for us. And, you know, you got to take your swing, you know? Send you got to take your swing. Send it, right? Uh, also, I love this stone cold lock segment, Debo. You got to keep doing this. Stone cold lock. It's fun. <laughs> It comes from sports gambling, you know, so <laughs> I'm unfortunately an expert on these things. 
Um, I understand. Spe- yeah. Speaking of being, yeah, we're going to, we already decided we're going to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Me and Matt Daniels. All right. Speaking of being an expert, I'm an absolute terrible fantasy player. I finished 735th out of 1135, edged out by my boy Ryan Thrower, who finished one spot ahead of me somehow, 734th. So Ryan's got the bragging rights here. Matt, you did pretty well. You're top 200, right? Yeah, I think I was 130. 130. So, yeah, That's yeah. actually really impressive. So we had 1135 fantasy players this weekend. That's our third biggest ever. Wow. Third biggest ever. And you know, I would have played. I usually don't play when I'm racing, but yeah. I've played before. It's really, really fun. Super fun. We had Arden Young, who uh, was in the race yesterday. I think she was just outside the women's top 10, like 11th or 12th. She finished second, I think. Second. She was second in fantasy. So Arden Young, just outside the top 10 actual finishers, but second place in fantasy. Brett Hornig and Leah Yingling were both in the top 10 in fantasy. And this is a good stat too our community picks. And what that means is that we take the average of all those 1100 picks to figure out what the global trail running consciousness is predicting. The community picks would have finished 448th. So we all suck is the point I'm trying to make. The one person who doesn't suck, a man named Steve Josepher. He's now the overall leader in the, uh, on the leaderboard for fantasy back-to-back podiums in the desert golden ticket races. He was also in the top three at Havelina. And I think he finished second overall in all of the 2023 season. So shout out to Steve. You have to know something that nobody else knows to pick this race like that. Right. I mean, like, incredible. it blows my mind. Like, I host podcasts in these shows, and I'm, like, pretending to be an expert, and I finish in the 700s. Like, this is so embarrassing. But and I guess uh, maybe a final fun thing from fantasy. There's a guy named Jim Walmsley. Not sure who he is, but <laughs> I, I've heard he splits his time between Arizona and France, who's now sixth overall on the 2024 leaderboard. What can this guy do? You know, what can this guy do? Yeah. Harmony put up an Instagram story, I think today saying like, what do you think Jim's prouder of the UTMB victory or being sixth overall in fantasy? Oh, anyway, what a freaking awesome day. Let's do a quick update on the 60 K here. And then I want to hear what you guys are up to here in the next couple of months. And then we can start winding down here. Let me just pull up the uh, tracker I've got going in the 60 K refreshing. All right. So we got Eli Hemming out front. It looks like they're through K mine. No surprise. No surprise. Brad there. Miles. He's a, he lives right down the street from me in superior Colorado. So shout out to Brad. Sweet. Whoa. Yeah. Superior. Michael yes. Versteeg out here. Michael Showing Versteeg. Some speed. Those splits are from further back at Bumblebee. Okay. So we, we, we only have Eli through K mine at this point, but that's like Brad. Brad as well. Oh. Or, oh, came mine out. So yeah, okay. Back and out. Yep. So yeah, he must be out too. So it looks like Eli and Brad are the, the two that we have through. I don't even know what point in the race that is, but they're four hours deep, so they're probably getting close to the finish now. Eli's coming to the Big Alta, so Ooh. nice little training around here for Eli. Uh, and then in the women's race, it looks like our top three, Elena Horton, Jenny Quilty, and Sarah Gage through Bumblebee separated by eight minutes. It looks like Elena Horton is 
on the gas. Jenny Quilty about three minutes back in second. We do have Keeley in sitting in seventh place right now, doubling back after Pace and Rachel to the finish. Man. <laughs> Probably going to sleep pretty late. Great training, then, training weekend for her, huh? Yeah, great training weekend for Keeley. Well, we met a guy at Packet Pickup that's um, he's doing the 100-mile challenge, so doing the 100K and the, the 60K, but he also has a lineup of five 200s this year, so... I'm Adam Williams, Adam Williams. So shout out to him. Like that's Crazy. incredible. God, yeah. you know, another good stat that is representative of how black Canyon has just become a phenomenon. The first year, 11 years ago, 42 finishers this year, 42 people signed up for the hundred mile challenge alone. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crazy man. And, and think about it with the delayed start. People finishing at three, four, five in the morning, jumping back on the shuttle, going back to the start and running another 60K. It's just a testament to the race experience. I mean, that that's creating. basically just running a hundred mile race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just get a shuttle ride in the middle of I, it. I've definitely sat in aid stations in hundred mile races longer than they're going to be sitting on the shuttle to get back. So. <laughs> so, so cool. I mean, I could see in time this the 60K race becoming a seriously competitive early season race too. I wonder if that's part of Aravipa's priorities. Oh, all right. Winding things down now. I want each of you guys to give us a quick update on where you are in your training. What ne what's next for you, Seth? I'm really excited to hear, you know, I know you're going to Transgrand. Tell us how you're feeling. Yeah. Going, uh, going to Transgrand Canaria. Um, I feel good. Uh, yeah. Training for me has gone like better than, it's probably ever gone, mainly because I'm not injured. I'm always injured or, I don't know, have a medical condition or whatever before a race. But, yeah, super stoked, like, stoked to race people that, like, I really look up to in the sport. Um, yeah, going to head out on Friday, get out there. So, yeah, feel, feeling really good. Yeah, and other than that, just recording podcasts, putting them out there. I don't know. So Makes we should good. say you got some competition out there. Yeah. The is, sixth place fantasy leaderboard guy's going. Guy is he going? Jim Walmsley. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> of him. Zach Miller, I've heard, is yeah. going. Shen Shen is going. Anybody else? Who else um, is on the start There's list? some... Like Andreas Ryder, I thought. Andreas Ryder, Andrew Simon. Simon? Oh, dude. Simon, some dude from Portugal also. The sport, man. I don't know. This is going to be sick. I try not to think about it because... Uh, it's a little intimidating, but it doesn't matter because it could be all those guys or none of them. Seth's sending it up the first climb. Dude. Yeah. As long as I get the, the KOM on the first climb, we'll be good. Heck yeah. Matt, you're next. Yep. So I'm uh, training's going well. I, it's, um, it's so early in the season. I like to use this time of year to like, just kind of take some risks and see how fit I can get. And then, and then, um, you know, in terms of like speed and that sort of thing. And then, um, build off of that into hopefully like a, a big end of spring, early summer. Um, so yeah, my next, my next big race is the big Alta. So I'll be seeing you here in a couple of weeks and, uh, yeah, that, that'll be a fast 50 K and then a bunch of more 50 Ks lined up. And then we're going to hopefully end the year out with, uh, getting into Leadville and a good Leadville performance. So that's kind of what we're building up to right now. Awesome. What a yeah. great season, man. Actually, Ryan and I were talking last night about your Gorge Waterfalls 50K win last year. It's like 12 minutes back at mile 18 and then just absolutely destroyed everybody. Yeah, that was a we, fun we can't wait to have you. Thank you so much for coming to our yeah, races, yeah. man. We were really, really excited to Looking have you. Looking forward to it. Um, next thing on my calendar is also Big Alta. 
but not to run. Uh, I'm going to be in the booth common calling the 50 K on Saturday. Um, and then I'm out crewing for my wife who's racing on Sunday. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, cheering for Matt, cheering for other homies out there on the, on the course. But, um, yeah, let's see here next. The, the next big thing for me is I'm like, I'm just going for it, man. I'm, I signed up for UTMB, um, the big loop. Um, so that's like later in the year, I think I'm gonna do a bunch of like mountain racing, um, between now and then. Um, so really Debo's we were talking about earlier, uh, over the next couple months, we've got some life stuff that's like concluding here in the next month. Uh, and so I'm looking to get back in that fine groove of training, uh, and get aligned so that I can be fit and ready and happy. We should have a monthly dad's check-in where you and I just, you know, make sure we're doing okay. I love you know? it. Yeah. I love it. See, see how, you know, the fatherhood things going, hold each other accountable on our training. I was going to say we should lazy. include Tyler Green in that, but I don't think he needs it. Man. Yeah. He's, he's freaking sending he it. He doesn't you know? need it. <laughs> he could be our coach, I guess. Yeah, you know? exactly. Damn. <laughs> Well, dude, it's freaking so fun to do this. Should we conclude with our Super Bowl picks? It's Super Bowl Sunday now. I can I can go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off here. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think Mahomes is dynasty material. Andy Reid goes, walks off into the sunset after being the dude who couldn't win the big one, takes on his third Super Bowl here this evening. I think it'll be 27-24 Chiefs. And I'm a Denver Bronco fan, so... I, I'm Sorry. supposed to, I'm supposed to hate the chiefs, but I root for players more than teams in these situations when the Broncos aren't playing. So I hope, I hope to see Mahomes keep the dynasty rolling. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Debo. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Andy Reed fan. And so, uh, I got to pull for the chiefs. Um, I'm, I'm hoping this isn't the end of, of his coaching. And if it is, I hope he like retires and comes out of it and coaches my Cowboys. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for the chiefs tonight. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I honestly have no idea who's going to win tonight. <laughs> I, I haven't kept up with football in a few years, but uh, I can make a solid pick. The Taylor Swift's going to take the W no matter what happens. Um, there's like all sorts of prop bets going on about like how many times they showed Taylor Swift during the oh. broadcast. People yeah. bet on that. There's going to be like a, a split screen. It's just going to be on Taylor Swift the whole time. Like ESPN two. It, it will this. almost certainly be the most viewed Super Bowl in history, and they I think attribute a lot of that to the Taylor, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Situation. We just Special need a, moment. We need yeah. to get her to date a trail runner. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get I'm gonna make like, this so boring, dude. But I'm picking the same, the Chiefs. Like I'm also a you're fan. you're a NorCal guy, huh? We're we're all we're both picking against NorCal. Huh? I know, but yeah, yeah same. Andy Reid, yeah. great coach. So, yeah. yeah. All right, well, boys, thanks for doing the post race show with us. That was super fun. Again, go subscribe to the Boulder Boys Pod on all major podcasting platforms. A big thank you to. Oh, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you, Ryan, for reminding us. Yeah. We need a camera on Ryan during these because yeah. he's like jiving over there, running around, making yeah. it happen. So. We're talking about doing more, of the, having like a more regular kind of live show like this from the garage over there in NorCal. But I do want to say a big thank you to our guy, Ryan Thrower. Absolute MVP performance this weekend behind the cameras. He was hustling all over the race course yesterday. That is my dude. We love him and appreciate him deeply. Also, Harmony, we missed her all weekend. She crushed it doing 
social media remotely while wrestling an 18 month old baby boy who's becoming increasingly more of a maniac. So we miss you, Harmo, uh, Adam Mary, Matt Daniels, Seth Ruling, MD Bo. We'll see you guys next time.